Thanks for joining us for Season 4 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that uh, warm, kind uh, introduction, uh, Jimmy, a.k.a. Jimbo. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Jimmy, before we get going, because we got a great podcast today with a great guest, and we're super excited about it, um, I do want to talk a little bit about something that's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks. It's the Branded Marketplace, Jimmy. Do you know about this? You know, I've heard rumblings. I'm hearing rumbling chats. Please tell me more. Yeah, it's listen, you, you go to the branded marketplace, the brandedmarketplace.com. It's an e-commerce site, really. It's really a place for all people in hospitality, anyone in the industry that's looking for a solution, looking to solve problems. We've got hundreds, hundreds of best in class technology companies up there. And there is tons of solutions for every operator. There's there is something for everybody. I must say, everybody listening, you got to go check out the brandedmarketplace.com. If you're not on it and you'd like to be on it, if you got a great solution for operators today, email us at marketplace at brandedstrategic.com and we'll let you know how to get onboarded on there. Because I'm telling you, Jimmy, it's awesome. People love it. I love it. I go on there. I go on there when I'm not busy. I'm just, when I'm just hanging out, I'm not watching Netflix. I'm not doing that. I'm going on the marketplace and checking it out. I heard rumblings that Netflix was worried about the branded hospitality marketplace. I heard rumblings. Yeah. Heads up, Netflix. It's the new Hulu. It's the new Hulu. <laughs> the new Hulu. Well, you can't get better than that. And it also couldn't be less true, but that's a whole different story. Okay. We've got a very exciting episode today. Our guest is our friend and the VP of IT and hospitality technology at the Howard Hughes Corporation, Giancarlo Fior Rancio. Giancarlo, We'd love you to take the lead. I, I just say GC. I say GC. <laughs> well, we had Giancarlo decide how, what he wants to be called. You called me Jimbo, by the way. And just for all our listeners, I didn't say he could call me Jimbo, but that's that's a story for another time. Giancarlo, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. You've been a great friend of ours for a long time. We'd love to hear you know, give us a little background, a little intro about yourself and, of course, the Howard Hughes Corporation, HHC. Yeah, thanks, guys. I mean, it's a real pleasure and honor to be here at the Hangout. An, uh, honor, and an honor you're taking a little far. I don't like the honor. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and also thank you for talking a little bit about the branded marketplace. I've listened to every one of your podcasts and, and really have never heard you talk about it until today. So I'm really <laughs> happy that you made sure that was in today so I could learn more about it. <laughs> No, listen, uh, and and first of all, Jimmy. Also, thank you for the uh, the really good pronunciation of my name. I know it's a challenge, and you did great on your first try. But yes, I certainly go by John Carlo or GC um, or Mister if Shatsy's trying to talk to me. Uh, I think that's preferred. Uh, but just a little bit about me. Uh, you know, I'm a career you know, quote unquote, IT guy, uh, who really, frankly, has kind of fallen head over heels for the hospitality industry. Uh, and I've worked in technology uh, in the multi-unit retail, restaurant, uh, QSR, hospitality worlds for the past 20 years. 
you know, personally, I grew up and live in the great state of New Jersey, uh, but I've cut my Whoa, professional wait, state, teeth. State. Easy, easy now. <laughs> great state of New Jersey, Jimmy. I love it. Jokes I'm, about New Jersey should be left until after the show. Okay? Absolutely. Thanks. Not for me. I'm a Jersey guy, but Jimmy will always, always poke fun. Always pokes fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Inter- I didn't interrupt GC when he was talking about Jersey. You did. You interrupted him, <laughs> and you didn't call him Mister. I actually appreciate that GC put you in your place right out of the gate. It's Mister GC to you, sir. Yeah, Mister <laughs> GC to you. Okay. Well, guys, listen. Uh, you know, I've I've always worked in. I feel like one of the most interesting cities in the world, New York City, uh, and that's really where my love of this industry kind of blossomed. Is is kind of being in that space and. Right now, I work for the Howard Hughes Corporation. Really, at its heart, is a a, a real estate development company, uh, but really specializes in the concept of um, master plan communities. Uh, and we have a number of them throughout the U.S. Uh, and specifically in New York, uh, we have one uh, in the Seaport District, uh, which many people know from if you've grown up in the area, uh, formerly known as the South Street Seaport. And really just, you know, what's unique about the company is that we approach each one of these communities uh, differently and and unique to the community and environment that they're in. So in New York, for example, part of our strategy, right, in in this development of several several blocks is to enable it to become uh, a destination for shopping, retail, um, entertainment, and other activations that... uh, uh, that really, I think, are already showing promise as reviving this area and making it an interesting place to visit. Uh, so I lead uh, on the technology side. Uh, anything that we're doing, uh, either in operations, in the food and beverage space, or in um, our concert venue that we have there, as well as, you know, in, in Texas, we have a couple of hotels and in, uh, in Summerlin, Nevada, we have a minor league baseball stadium. So there's a lot of interesting things throughout our different uh, portfolio that touches hospitality. That's fantastic, uh, Giancarlo. It's unbelievable. I spent many, many a night when I was younger. I know Jimmy did as well over at the South Street Seaport. And uh, to see it being, um, you know, come back to life is just incredible because it's uh, it, it was really it's a gem. It's a gem of uh, of an area for New York City. Before we get into uh, you know a lot more that we've got to talk about, I want to just get into a deep dive about you. You talked a little about HHC and uh, and your IT, but really, I mean, you worked for Steve Madden. You worked at Flywheel, then you go to Shake Shack. So you've had a very interesting career. Has it always been in technology? What were you doing over at Steve Madden? I mean, I know Steve Madden, it's, it's, it's shoes, and it's, it's mostly women's shoes. And, uh, and Flywheel, I, 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 Flywheel is uh, it's nothing about hospitality either, to my knowledge. And then you go to Shake Shack, and Shake Shack, I mean, who doesn't love Shake Shack? And now you're at Howard Hughes Corp., which is really, um, you know, I think Leonardo DiCaprio and, uh, and that movie that he did. That's what I think, but that's me. 
But uh, so how'd you get from fashion to fitness to food? Talk to me about this. Actually, that was like the Shatsy, uh, the Shatsy uh, trifecta. Shatsy <laughs> loves to eat Madden shoes. He loves wearing them. He is an avid flywheeler, and no one likes to eat at Shake Shack after a flywheel class more than Shatsy's. He hit the tri, the Shatsy trifecta. You're hundred percent. I walk into, I walk into Shake Shack after flywheel with my Steve Madden shoes on. Trifecta. Yeah, seriously, guys. I mean, when you put it that way from like fashion to fitness to food, it really feels like just knowing what my current waistline is and my closet full of dad wear. I feel like I did that in totally the wrong way. The three F's. So I'm like, (laughs) the three F's. So, you know, I actually got my start working in retail and food technology back in 2001 when I was at Dean and DeLuca. Uh, it was a famous gourmet market retailer in New York City. Yeah, yeah you kidding me? Familiar. Yeah. I um, think uh, I remember that TV show I used to watch. Uh, they worked there. Felicity. Felicity, hello. Yeah, Felicity. Yeah, working at Dina Big Felicity fan. I didn't pay yeah. you for a big Felicity fan, Josh. Are you That's kidding me? You start talking know. OC, you talk Felicity, you get Bachelor, you get me going. Don't get me going now. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, now normally, like, I'm not really usually good with dates, but I specifically very vividly remember the day, year, and time I started that job as really my interview for the IT role there was supposed to be on September 11th, 2001 at 9.30 in the morning. And I would have taken the PATH train from the great state of New Jersey into the World Trade Center right when the... 9-11 9-11 attacks happened. But, but, uh, clearly the good news, yeah, let me three, good, days, <laughs> three days before I asked for it to be moved, I, I three days before I was supposed to be there, I asked for it to be moved to September 12th. I can't tell you the reason, but it feels like some divine intervention happened there, but I was like really freaked out for quite a while after that. Yeah, that uh, is freaky. My crazy, my crazy story for, for, uh, for the New Yorkers of, of 9-11. But, but no, really, that is a good one. You know, Dean and DeLuca was um, was an interesting experience because I had just worked, uh, you know, a traditional IT job at a you know corporate company before that. Didn't really have a, a strong, you know, background in in uh, hospitality or food or retail uh, from my past. But um, you know, they had about uh, I think four or five full sized stores throughout the country and about thirteen to fourteen mm-hmm. cafes. And it was my first taste of sort of managing technology in a multi-unit environment. And I learned very quickly how the approach to multi-unit restaurant, retail, really required a different viewpoint. Uh, But what I also learned is that when you strip away kind of the specific vertical, whether it's retail, restaurants, hotels, gyms, there's a core set of fundamentals that translate between all of them. And just a delicate layer that sits on top that's kind of unique to those specific verticals. And I realized I didn't have to be confined to one of those for the rest of my career. It really could be paved with a unique journey through multiple verticals. So wait, was Dean and DeLuca was before Madden or after Madden? So it was was fashion, fitness. It was before. So it was was food, fashion, fitness, food. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and uh, as you can see, I started and returned to food. There's, that's not a coincidence. I think that's just where my, <clears throat> where my heart, brain, and stomach were guiding me towards. Which, yeah, you can't eat shoes. Yeah, right, exactly, at the end of the day. Um, 
so yeah, I have that soft spot for the restaurant and hospitality industry. It's it's the toughest, I think, of all those that we just talked about, but mm-hmm. I feel also it's the most rewarding. Thank you for that, GC. I appreciate it. And I did GC. enjoy it's getting Mr. a GC. shot at my boy Shatsy. Um, I have to share uh, with our listeners. I want to take a little moment to take a somewhat of a break and actually talk about the fact that um, as, as GC was kind of to say, he's a fan of the podcast. He listens to the podcast. He's listened we don't to know all. If he actually listen. We don't really know if he listens. He's <laughs> he, probably just saying that to be nice, Jimmy. I th- I think he really listens to the podcast and uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you described the podcast. Um you said you never knew technology could be so funny or discussions around tech and hospitality could be so funny. So so now you're a guest on the show. You're a guest with us and no pressure, but I actually think you came out guns a blazing. We, we were expecting good material out of you and we're already like a few minutes in and I really thought from the intro you, you came ready to play. So thank you for that. Jimmy, if I could interrupt um, you for a second there, please. I actually believe I was misquoted. What I actually said was I never knew there were two funnier looking guys talking about technology on a podcast. I just want to clear the record on that topic and uh, make sure the press knows the truth. Now that makes complete sense. (laughs) Now that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that. All right. So back to the business. Yes. Uh, For our guests who aren't aware, and and GC commented on it at the start of the show, um, but, you know, I want to to dive a little deeper into HHC. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, um, native New Yorker. Say it three times. It's so important to me. Native New Yorker. I'm a native um, New Yorker. And, um, and, and I am very familiar, as Shatsy is, of the undertaking that HHC took to rebuild the South Street Seaport in Lower Manhattan. I was a fan of it uh, growing up, and you guys have taken that property uh, and brought it to greater heights than it's ever been in my lifetime. You also have properties, as you mentioned, across the country, Texas, Hawaii, uh, the great state of Nevada, and specifically Las Vegas, to name just a few of your properties. Can you share with us about the role technology plays across what I understand is your your master plan communities versus maybe your urban communities? Master plan versus the urban plans. Um, that I think our audience would love to hear about from you know from the Howard Hughes perspective. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, as we said before, the Howard Hughes Corporation specifically focuses on the concept of master plan communities, which are typically very long-term projects, uh, investments that start out from uh, many acres of undeveloped land, and a master plan is created to develop and build out uh, that land in a very thoughtful and cohesive way over the course of many years. Um, and these communities typically include uh, residential homes and condos, commercial office space, uh, retail, and, uh, and some community-driven amenities. Um, so when we talk about technology uh, at, at Howard Hughes, right, it's very unique to each one of, of those uh, master plan communities. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, the, some are really in more suburban areas, right? And, and they span many different miles. Um, but some are more urban, like uh, you know, Seaport District uh, and, you know, even our uh, Award Village in Hawaii um, that, uh, that take a different approach. And so when we talk about Seaport in particular, I think what's, what's definitely unique about it versus some of the other master plan communities is, is you know, uh, in that in the idea of really trying to create this uh, destination, Right um, for for people to want to come to, uh, and as you know, as you said, you 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 guys have visited yourselves. Uh, it used to be a destination uh, many years ago, 
And unfortunately, you know, through some bad luck, you know, even I mentioned 9-11 before, but tourism in the lower Manhattan took a dive. Mm-hmm. Um, then Hurricane Sandy came in and really decimated the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all these buildings in disrepair, a, uh, kind of just slowly, but surely people stopped coming. Uh, and so, you know, Howard Hughes found itself in this unique, uh, opportunity with the city of New York to take on the redevelopment. Uh, and when we are doing that, when you're trying to restore sort of foot traffic to an area that currently doesn't have it. Uh, you kind of have to take a different approach than if you were just sort of uh, taking over spaces that had some and you really wanted to play that up. So for here, uh, I think one of the unique parts and uh, what got me really interested in, in partnering with, with Howard Hughes was um, that, you know, they knew that dining, for example, was a central part of how, you know, uh, people would come to explore and learn uh, about Seaport. Uh, so you could either, as a developer or a landlord, go out and, and try to market your spaces to restaurant tenants, if you would, but not very many restaurants would decide that they want to open up in an area that had no foot traffic. It's kind of counterintuitive. It makes a lot, man, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, you guys know about that. Those uh, restaurant tours are so difficult. Yeah, they're very so needy. Very picky. Yes. They actually want people to come in. I mean, it's, it's they great. want everything. <laughs> but it, you know, in any event, so you know what the company decided is okay. So you know, instead of again trying to get somebody there, and and if we did, maybe it wouldn't be exactly the type of tenant that we were hoping for. Uh, let's create our own concept and operate and promote this restaurant on our own. And so we started that way, and then. We had Pier 17 also at the Seaport. It's a really unique destination that we had redeveloped and uh, from the ground up. And we said, look, why don't we, instead of, again, trying to convince some of the big restaurateurs out there to come here, which we're probably not going to be very successful with, let's partner with them, right? Let's, let's, let's be financial partners in their success. Um, so we were able to do that with John George, with uh, Momofuku and David Chang, with uh, NoHo Hospitality and Andrew Carmelini, uh, Malibu Farm uh, and Helene Henderson, and able to that they brought their concepts to Pier 17. Uh, and that strategy has really paid off for us, uh, but it really created these unique dining spaces and enabled us to sort of get that kind of visibility a lot sooner than it would have taken us to organically try to do that over many, many years. So it's really, you know, at the end of the day, you know, kind of a a very different approach, but, um, but also very interesting because you're so much is happening in such a short amount of time. I've only been at the company a few years and we've opened up all of those restaurants in addition to the rooftop concert venue uh, and it's uh, it, it's been a, it's been quite a journey, but the, the idea of multi-unit and and managing that uh, really played into uh, to the experience here. That was great, and um, and I again I appreciate you sharing those insights with our listeners. We've spoken about this before, and yes, we Stratz and I like to joke around a lot, and this moment is <laughs> certainly no exception. Uh, but other than coal mining or the coal mining industry, we argue that the hospitality industry has been one of the last industries to adapt and embrace technology. So it's a tough competition for uh, for the bottom. It's between coal mining and hospitality. Can you share with us your hospitality first approach to technology? Um, and what is the right tech stack 
in your opinion, for casual versus fine dining versus maybe middle of the road? So casual, fine dining, middle. What is the right tech stack as you look at this, you know, and your hospitality first approach? That's a good question. I mean, that that's I'm glad you brought it up because I'm super passionate about that specific topic because I believe that the tech stack and and how the type of concept you run and doing that properly really separates out some restaurants from others. But the key, in my opinion, is it's never one size fits all. And I'll just tell you two quick stories that really drove this home for me and my experience and in, and in my life, frankly. The first one was when I was in my 20s. My father, who immigrated here from Italy in his teens, had re- apprenticed with a cobbler in Italy. And when he came here, started working at a shoe repair store uh, where my uncle also worked. Uh, and eventually he took over the business and Johnny's shoe repair was a staple in town for over 40 years. But as the internet blossomed and, you know, having a little entrepreneurial blood in my jeans, uh, I sat down with my dad and I told him, I want to start johnnyshoerepair.com. And I want to come up with a way. Wait, that was you? That was me. That was me. I, how did you know? It's like right below Amazon. It was Amazon.com and then Johnny Shoe. <laughs> yes, <I was> like, <laughs> yes. 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 It's the secret's out. Um, but, you know, I really, I, that's what I wanted to do. And I was in my 20s and I was like, hey, I, I know all about this technology stuff. And, you know, I want people to be able to, uh, they'll ship their expensive shoes from all over the country to you, dad, to fix and you ship them back, and and you know how much business that would create, and you'll need to hire a team of guys fixing shoes, and his business would explode. And, and I'll never forget, you know, my dad's response was, uh, uh, "What's this internet? Uh, I don't know. You know, why these people want to send me the shoes?" And I'm like, "Oh, dad." So you know, I, I <laughs> but but eventually, you know, we got to common ground. But he explained to me something. He said, "Hey, he takes a lot of pride in his craft, and it's mm-hmm. been honed over many years." He likes to take the time it takes to do repair, and he likes to do it the right way, and he likes having a personal connection with his customers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't his goal to be big. His goal was just to provide for the family and do quality work, not quantity, and it took me a while to understand that just getting bigger is not always the goal, and tech isn't always the answer, and I kind of try to remember that uh, times, and I'll just I'll tell you very quickly, the second story was really when I was at Shake Shack, and this really kind of formed it all for me. I had just joined. I was the first IT director for Shake Shack. And at that time when I joined, people would line up and wait 45 minutes in Madison Square Park here in New York City to order burgers, which I thought was crazy, right? But I, when I saw that, I viewed it as a problem, right? I'm like, oh, 45 minutes, people, that, that, we, we got to do something, right? So I came up with all these ideas and strategies on how we could speed people through the line. And we could use tablets and kiosks. And and I remember walking into uh, Randy Garuti's office, CEO, and about it. And I was ready to, you know, I'm giving him all my ideas about how we can. And he said to me, no, absolutely not. And that was just totally unexpected. And I, you know, I was like, really? Why? Why? And he explained that the part of what makes Shake Shack special is the line and the community aspect of it. I said, where else in New York City will people take time out of their busy lives to wait online for a burger? And the connections that happen in that line are priceless. And he said, frankly, besides, if there was no line, would people still think it was special? And it blew my mind to think about it that way. Now, obviously, times change and dynamics shift, but that was the right one for them at that time. And it yep. really helped me to understand that for each concept that you know a restaurant company may have or an individual restaurateur may do – 
you have to make sure that your technology, right, is is in line with what you know you are trying to do for your business and your guests. Uh, and when you really nail that, right, and you get that guest experience and the operational ease together, right, that's a win-win for everyone. Uh, should should mobile ordering exist in a fine dining world, you know, at the table? Probably not. But can mobile payment with a QR code at the bottom of a paper check work in fine dining? Sure. Probably. Sure. Why not? You know, the difference is really in the experience and whether the tech is enabling that experience or detracting from it. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really good point. And I got to tell you uh, a couple things. First, I love the Italian accent. So I, I really think that for the rest of the podcast, I really want you to speak in your dad's voice because I liked it. No, no, I'm not going to do this, Jimmy. I'm not going to do this. Forget about it. Because I really shots, like that a lot. Shots, please, please note, see, he's allowed to use that accent. Yes. Because he is it's Italian. culturally appropriate. Say, when oh, you so do you're it, telling when I start doing my English accent, nobody likes it? Is that what you're saying? I'm telling you, no one likes any of your accents. They barely, the way, like, they barely yeah. like your American New York Shatsy accent. They barely well, like that know, one. I was in Minneapolis, as you know, yesterday for a couple of meetings. And I'm having a meeting at the hotel, and I ask the bartender to get me a coffee and an iced tea. And somebody turns and they say, "Are you from New York?" I said, "Yeah. How do I know? How'd you know? With that voice? What are you kidding me?" <laughs> so I'm like, "What? I have an accent? Like, what are you kidding me?" So, so anyway, he said coffee. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, "Can I have a coffee, please?" <laughs> Listen, uh, we we touched a little bit about. We talked a lot about tech stack. I just want to t- turn a little bit to, you know, we know you guys are revamping. So, so you took over the the South Street Seaport as we know it. You took that after uh, Sandy, correct? Yes. So, I mean, it was disaster. You take it over. So now you guys, I know there's the, the, the tin building down there because I've been down there with you and I see the, the famous tin building down there. It's 50 some odd thousand square foot structure. You're turning that into a, a food mecca, if you will. You'll have retail, grocery, fast, casual, fine dining. You're going to have it all. There's uh, e-commerce. What, give us a little bit about what kind of things you're going to have there and how is that going to lay into technology to help that whole experience? Because you just talked about the right balance of tech and fine dining. Yeah. Should we have tech? Shouldn't we? You know, what kind of tech? And so what, do you, what are your plans with the technology in the, in the tin building? Yeah, tin building is a super exciting project. Uh, it, it crosses all of those industries all, all under one roof with all one sole operator. Um, so we're we're currently right now, you know, in the process, and it's it's scheduled to open in in 2022. But we're currently building a custom app and web experience that will allow consumers to order from any of the concepts we've launched in the building. Uh, for order ahead for pickup and delivery, as well as grocery ordering, uh, complete with substitutions and delivery integrations uh, for pickup and delivery as well. And you'll be able to assemble an order for multiple eateries uh, on one check and even add on your grocery order in one checkout experience. Uh, and that's really how we're really you know shifted focus a bit to the idea of e-commerce and and online ordering, right? The, you know, the pandemic really, you know, as as I'm sure you guys have talked about many times, right? Um, uh, really accelerated a number of things, uh, and this adoption rate really drove home for us how we want to make sure that we are 
paying as much attention to that experience and capabilities as to what your experience would be uh, if you were to come down and walk in, uh, walk in the building. Uh, so the tech stack for this was really a unique challenge as there are lots of solutions out there geared towards restaurants. There's ones geared toward retail. There's ones geared toward groceries, but there are none geared towards all three. Right. Uh, and, and instead of having this mishmash of all these different ones, right, we really had to try to be thoughtful in our approach. Um, and on top of that, when we decided to do this, you know, bespoke app and, and web experience, right, we could only work with solutions that had uh, robust APIs. So our developers could integrate them into the, to the front end experience we're building. So, you know, like on the POS side, similar challenge. You know, I started an RFP to find out, was there a POS that could handle restaurant, retail, grocery in one cohesive system that didn't sacrifice on features? And what'd you find? Uh, now, I wish I could disclose what specific solutions we landed on just yet. But what I can tell you is that it is a collection of different players from restaurant and grocery industries whose platforms were flexible enough to leverage for the other industry that they were primarily not, you know, uh, marketed towards. Um, so we we really, you know, did find um, a good number of solutions that uh, that could work in either way. But really, the requirements really were were very tight. So it took us a lot longer than we expected, but we're pretty happy with with what we landed on. So you're not going to tell us. Uh, I mean, this yeah. is this podcast. We break news on the podcast. That's why people listen. We break news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Shatsy, you're not you're not breaking. Definitely you're not, break you're the not news. Breaking I'll GC tell you that, that much. Yeah, he ain't giving up yet. But you know what, Mister JC, yeah. please tell us. We'll try to get him back on the show and uh, and have him light us up uh, when he's when he is ready, willing, well, and able. When is it, when's it opening? We'll see, when when are we going to be able to go down there and, and check uh, it out? It's it's, it's Shatsy, Mister GC took me last week. You just didn't get the <laughs> yeah. End. We opened it a few months ago. We just haven't told you yet, Shots. Just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've been eating there every night. Jimmy's down all the time. We were hanging out last week together. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, right, look, look for it in, um, in late first quarter next year. Got it. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Super excited about that. Is that the last Is that the last project down there, or is there still more to do? You know, that's really the crown jewel is really the tin building because, you know, that one was the most interesting. As you know, it's a historic building yep. um, and, and very interesting that we took, we took elements of it, and we basically had to, you know, deconstruct it and store all the elements in a warehouse while we rebuilt it from the ground up. And it was amazing when I started. That's landmarked, right? Yes, exactly. It's a landmark right. building. So you have to take special care of it. And, yep. and when I started in, in 2018, I will never forget, I saw divers going into the water, you know, to prepare for the p new pylons of concrete to really build its foundation mm -hmm. uh, on, on the East River again. So seeing that kind of to where it's at today is really um, uh, amazing. But yes, it, it, it will really be the thing that sort of we view that ties the, the whole district together. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. It's like it's like the dude, the area rug. Really, it really tied the room together. Really brought it together. <laughs> the dude. Listen, as much as um, we want to try to talk about the future and moving past the pandemic, um, there's no question the hospitality industry was undeniably hit, uh, just incredibly hard. You know. That said, there are some really great 
uh, and innovative projects that did come about. And, and we really applaud the industry. I, I personally, I'm, I'm biased. I think they're some of the most creative and agile people uh, that are part of this industry that we love. Um, you know, restaurants had to become incredibly creative. We have a bunch of stores and all of us on the ground floor, street level, we quickly um, built outdoor dining structures, which New Yorkers uh, and our guests just love. And we look forward to keeping them for as long as we're allowed. Hey, we we, we got the approval to keep it uh, through 22, Jimbo. I love it. I go. Are, are, you, are you thanking uh, De Blasio for that, Chassis? Because I'm telling you, I'm going with Cuomo. I'm thanking Cuomo. No, no, no. That was uh, <laughs> that was that was uh, King Cuomo on that one, Jimbo. There you go. I thought you were going to say maybe it was Andy Riggi from the uh, the Alliance. But anyway, while Howard Hughes, you actually had a different amenity that you managed to um, do your own creativity with. You had an amazing rooftop. And while you mentioned it at the top of the show, I really want to dive into this more because it's really if, if uh, it's a it's a diamond in New York City, and you have the greens, and you launched it really um, in the midst of the pandemic. And cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at one point last summer, you had a twenty thousand person wait list true. Um, for true. the greens. Um, can you let our audience know a little bit about the greens, how tech played a role in the guest experience, um, and to our listeners? This truly is a an amazing uh, thing that Howard Hughes built uh, down at the seaport, and the green's just awesome. Would love you to let our audience know about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's really an incredible story, and the green turned out to be a really interesting concept. And I mean, as as you mentioned, the backstory is that uh, on the rooftop of Pier Seventeen, we normally do a summer concert series. Uh, we did two seasons of it, starting in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. We held forty three concerts up there. Um, and it's a very cool venue to see a show at. It's open air. It's right on the water. Uh, crazy views of the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan skyline. It, it's it's kind of magical, I gotta say. Um, so when obviously when when COVID hit and we saw that we're probably in this for the long haul, and there's very few paths to putting on any type of concerts um, in 2020. But we had this amazing rooftop space, and we just sort of kind of kept brainstorming about what could we do up there um, that was uh, safe uh, in COVID times that would uh, resonate with people um, that would even give them a a respite from the quarantining at home. Uh, And, and you guys know better than, than anyone, you know, outdoor dining in New York city at that time was a mess. I mean, many restaurants did what they could to create spaces like on the sidewalk and the street, for people to dine at, but all it takes is sort of seeing a few rats cross the street or, you know, having an Uber nearly sideswipe your table to realize it's just not the same experience. <laughs> right. So we kind of said, look, we think we can create something really interesting up there. And we came up with the idea of these mini lawns, uh, which are 12 foot by 12 foot, you know, square with grass, uh, um, uh, an umbrella, lounge chairs, coolers, uh, USB chargers where people could reserve that square for two hours. And we launched QR code ordering of food and beverage uh, for each of the squares with our amazing partner, Bebop. Can't say enough amazing thing about those guys. They really hit it out of the park. Steve, uh, Steve and his team are rock stars. Yeah, they they really stepped up to the plate. I mean, a, a quick side story is that I actually, we, we used a different solution other than Bebop 
before opening it because um, we had some really unique requirements that we we thought were had had to be it so we used a different solution it didn't quite work out for us right from day one and i called steve at like saturday night at 9 30 basically you know sort of saying i need you can you is there any way you guys can get your system up and running here uh and he said i'm on it and sure enough like Literally three or four days later, we were up and running on Bebot. I'd never seen such a quick implementation of anything, and the amount of resources they put on it was uh, was phenomenal. And really, it's what's enabled a lot of the success up there, um, because that whole concept doesn't work unless you have something that um, is contactless, that's easy for people to use, um, that's easy for the operations team to execute on. So uh, it really was a great solution for us up there. That's fantastic. I yeah. mean, we're so excited. I had uh, was hanging with Steve last week. He's just his mind is just always thinking about uh, solving problems. Really uh, incredible. Reminds me of Jimmy yeah. a lot. The way his mind works. Well, shots. I mean, the, I mean, it's amazing the amount of engineering and computer programming you did on that assignment would stagger people. It would stagger people to know it was zero. Uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, everybody <laughs> needs an ideas man too. You know, I'm the ideas man. <laughs> and that last and that yeah. last segment was sponsored by our friends at Ebot. <laughs> Be uh, you know, speaking of speaking of the summer and the greens because it's super cool and i've been up there it's 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 really awesome and wait a minute you convert that right doesn't that in the winter time it becomes different right yeah so normally in the winter time we do ice skating up on that rooftop right, and right. that this past winter we just did the we call it the winter version of the greens um by building mini cabins um i mean so it's really cool what you do so i mean literally the whole thing gets completely taken down and yeah. so you have a whole summer setup and then you've got a winter setup it's really quite yes. unbelievable if anyone hasn't been down there it's really an all year round opportunity to really enjoy that area but speaking about the summer because we are in the summer right now in the greens and the rooftop and uh i i don't think you had uh concerts but you've got concerts coming now so when is the first concert uh over there uh the first concert is actually going to be on july 30th um who, who so, do we got? who do we got uh we we have a uh, an amazing artist we sold out that i don't remember their name and don't know their music but it's uh it's clearly why don't we just uh, be up for our listeners just so we you know <laughs> so we think so we, we know what we're talking about that's uh, it's, right it's, bruce it's, springsteen will be there get your tickets right now <laughs> boy are we gonna get in trouble for that one the branded hospitality quartet is going to be playing here soon. Jimmy, Jimmy will be there yeah, with his uh, kazoo or whatever he's got. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's awesome because I was there in the winter. I've seen it in the summer. It's really incredible. What kind of, I mean, you talk a little bit about the tech stack. Is there what, so what kind of full immersion? So you use your phone to check in, you check your ID. Isn't it a whole uh, a mobile experience? Yeah, that's what we're planning on. I mean, it is, it's going to be gradual over the course of, of this season, but we've partnered with a POS called Billfold, uh, mm-hmm. which is right, really right. amazing. Uh, yeah, amazing system that's geared towards concerts and music venues. Um, but what we expect is we want to roll out an experience where concert attendees will either pre-register their credit card ahead of time mm-hmm. or register them on-site at a kiosk and are issued an RFID bracelet that they can use throughout the show that securely stores their payment info and a two second tap to pay experience when they go to, you know, concession stands or merchandising will, will, you know, greatly speed up their experience. Right. And make it super. Right. Simple. Right. 
uh, for, for them to do so. Is Once you're inside there, it's, you can just do anything you want, and it's just all anything you want. You don't have to take your credit nope. card out and just keep on paying. It's yep. all just tap the bracelet yeah, in yep. the areas. And yeah. if you, for example, if you've, let's say you've either uh, purchased VIP access, um, then that'll also be tied into your bracelet. And when you go to the VIP area, there'll be a, a kiosk for you to say, yep, you're approved to go into VIP. Uh, and let's say you didn't uh, buy your VIP access. If you tap, it'll say, hey, you don't have VIP access, but tap again. And for, you know, $40, you get access to VIP. Don't quote me on that price. But- now, are there restrictions to the VIP? And when I mean restrictions, like, is that something Jimmy and I can Ab- go to? Or are we not absolutely like- not. It is definitely for people <laughs> that are important. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. I just want to be super clear about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just to be clear, Jimmy and I are not welcome in the VIP area. Okay. I have figured No, that. no. But I can, if you guys want to hang out in the back of the kitchen or something, <laughs> you can totally, totally work that out. Thank, thanks. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I got to take care of you guys. I resemble that remark. I mean, I resent that. No, I resemble. I listen. Um, thank you so much for all of that. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. And um, we've been asking you a lot of questions. You've been very generous and, and with your, your insights and your thoughts. Um, it turns out that while we started this podcast, because Shatz and I like talking to people, uh, we've learned along the way that our guests sometimes have a question for us. So let's kick off our talking back segment where we offer you the opportunity to ask us uh, a question and nothing is off the table. That's uh, that's amazing. And I can think of 20 questions I'd love to ask you guys off the record here. But, uh, you know, one that really uh, I think about often when I think about you guys in particular, right? You've you've been through this industry in so many different ways and wearing different hats. Um, if you could do one thing over again, right? What what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. I really oh, love boy, it. I got asked that um, once before. Chats, do you want to? Uh, do you well, I mean, the like- first time I got asked that question, I said, "Well, if I could do it over again, I wouldn't be in the restaurant business." <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd rather just just eat in restaurants. Who needs to own the restaurants? Uh, Not all kidding aside, I got to be honest with you. uh, What would I do over again if I could do it all over again? I I don't I I, I'm not going to I don't think I had I wouldn't do anything over again. I don't think I think everything has really been unbelievably interesting, exciting and things have really uh, I, I love every every turn and twist I've taken thus far really have enjoyed and learned and learned by all the experience I've had. Jimmy's going to come up with something really good. And I'm going to be so upset. And I'm going to be like, I changed my, my answer. I know it. No, I, I, uh, yes, yeah, I think, I think your answer was a very good one. And now um, for Jimmy's going to come up with such a better one. And, and, and now mine will be better. Um, but no, no, um, I actually, I had every job in front of the kitchen. Um, as a, as a much younger man, I was a bar back. I was a bus boy. Uh, I was a bartender. I was a waiter. I love bartending. Shats and I are both bartenders. And then, um, you know, I, and I even I gave away all the drinks, by the way, I could never figure out how to like give drinks and charge people. It's too complicated. Shats was a terrible bartender. Um, great for the customer and <laughs> not so much for the operators, but actually I, I left the industry and, and went into financial markets and investment banking and capital markets, investment management. And I had a 30 year um, uh, Wall Street career. Um, and when I remember being invited um, 
to to be a deeper part of of a, of a restaurant business. Ironically, with our with my now partner uh, Dean and 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 now with Schatz, um, I turned it down and, and went to graduate school and got my MBA and all that. And and if I could go back in time, and and here I am, decades later, jumping back into it. And and to a certain extent, I didn't see the career path. Um, at that time in hospitality. Um, I saw a, I saw career paths in other industries. And for me, I didn't see it in hospitality. And to your question about if I could go back and change it and I could go back and redo something, the, the roadmap I now see um, with the benefit of hindsight um, is, is far more clear. And to a certain extent, I love people that are at, at least have a hospitality experience. I think it's, it's, it's teamwork. It's roll up your sleeves. It's get the job done. It's, it's customer service. It's doing everything you can to make it right for the customer. What an amazing training ground and, and opportunity to learn. Um, I think it's a skill set that could be applied to so many industries it, and including the, the hospitality itself. So my, I think with the benefit of hindsight, there was a far more interesting and creative career path that I didn't see in the early 90s. Um, and I therefore went on a different path. And here I am coming back to this industry that I can truly say I love. And I love the agility and the creativity and the, I, can't, I don't want to say a curse word on the show, but the a-hole factor. Um, it's not, I'm not saying there aren't a-holes, just saying the percentage of a-holes to the size of this industry is less than any other industry I have seen. I think there's a genuine desire to work as a team and deliver value to guests. And that to me is an amazing thing. So for me, I wish I would have been able to see the path then that I couldn't see. And to people that are in this industry now, I'd be happy to tell you the different paths and the different optionality. I'm telling you, this is an amazing industry. I think there's a time limit on the on the answer, I think GC when he, you know, Jimmy, 15 minutes is too long. That's a fair point. I got that's a fair point. So let me let me answer the question a different way. I'm kidding. Thank you very much. 1968. I was born, and I thought to myself. I do agree with the a hole to non a hole ratio is very good in the restaurant industry. So I, we're aligned. There yeah, we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 the most people that are operators. I don't know. It's it's we definitely have a different. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's go to the uh, the tech stack, the uh, the top of the tech stack. If you could come up with or recommend or suggest being an IT guy, you've got a tremendous amount of technology experience, tremendous amount of hospitality technology experience. If our listeners out there could get some insight from you as to what is the most important tech, if they can have one technology right now that they must have in their business, in the restaurant or hotel, whatever, what would it be? What do you, what do you say you've got to have? Yeah, I would say right now it feels like you you and certainly this has been true, but I think it's a different different level right now. But um, your your ordering, your online ordering, mobile ordering solutions have to be dialed in at this point. I mean, I think during the pandemic, obviously a lot of people adopted and used them, but as my own experience as a consumer, they were all over the place. Some were really great, some were really bad. Uh, but now's the opportunity to really dial that in because I think the percentage of revenue from you know off-premise uh, will will not certainly always be at the levels that they were during the pandemic, but I think there'll be a larger share of what you know restaurateurs restaurateurs do uh, going forward. So I think having that dialed in is super important. 
Um, but I can't say that without also recommending that, you know, it's also the right time to be looking at back a house uh, and really getting, you know, your costs in line uh, and using great inventory and purchasing solutions. Because as we all know, right, doing online ordering mobile ahead um, and delivery and third party, you're really talking about, you know, sometimes uh, uh, reducing some of your uh, your margin because of these services. So getting financially mm-hmm. in order, I'm sure Jimmy can appreciate this, the <laughs> finance guy, you know, having your financial house in order really and, and getting your costs under control uh, is going to, you know, uh, allow you to be a little bit more forgiving on anything that you may or may not have to give up on the, on the front end. I agree. I like it. Yeah, it makes uh, a lot of sense. See, Jimmy, that was a short answer. You see, that's I'm what learning, we're trying to get from I'm you. I'm learning. Anyway, so let me go back to the question Jean-Claude asked me. No, uh, <laughs> now it's time for our crystal ball moment. Okay? It's a chance where we give all our guests to put on their uh, Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. Here we are, future time. How do you see restaurants um, and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Yeah, it's a great question. And and frankly, I'd say it's even very difficult to predict um, just because we've seen so many changes. But what, what I do see is that we are in the golden age of technology in this industry. There have never, ever been a time that there is this many, um, you know, uh, options for restaurant uh, or hospitality companies uh, with different choices and competition, right, mm-hmm. that uh, that they could really um, utilize. So what does it look like two years from now? I think that uh, things like mobile payment uh, will continue to be a winner uh, going forward. I think we'll be paying a lot more with our phones um, than we have uh, even today. Um, I think uh, for a lot of concepts, ordering at the table will grow uh, if that is you know right for their concept mm-hmm. and helps on the labor side of things. Um, so I think those, to me, those two feel like really the things that I see really progressing and, and becoming a permanent part of the industry. Yeah, I got to tell you, I was, like I said, I was in Minnesota yesterday and I went out to a couple places at night and one of these Mexican places I went to outdoor in the northeast end of, uh, of, of Minneapolis, great area, all outdoor uh, breweries and bars and clubs and stuff like that. I got to tell you, Got to a high top table with a few people. They've got the little QR code right on the table, the table number. It was great. I scanned the QR code. I ordered a couple of pitches of margaritas. Apple Pay, Google Pay right there. Boom. Minutes later, they asked you how many glasses did you want? You know what I mean? Salt, no. So it was so easy. Server came over, put it down there. You wanted more. We ordered some tacos. It was just so easy and so great. It was just a great experience. And somebody wanted another taco. They just ordered it. Someone brought it. It was really just seamless and great. So I totally agree with you. It's just uh, going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And, and and like you said, it depends. Certain certain restaurants will adopt certain technologies. But at the end of the day, it's great stuff. You do any work out in Minneapolis? All I've heard about is the bartender you made friends with. Now it's Mexican. It's it's margarita night. You, you do any work on that trip? Jimmy, that's work. Research, research, research. R&D. Someone has to do the R&D. Jesus, I mean, are you kidding me? Wait till you see my full report I write up, Jimmy. Um, Yeah, I will send you the report. Let's go to the best part of the entire podcast, because I think it's time. It's time for the branded quickfire. Everyone knows, you know, Jimmy, I get emails all the time. I'm getting phone calls. They're like, Shats, you should just really just do the branded quickfire. Just have a 45-minute segment of just a quick fire. That's how much people like it. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think too hard. Don't just first thing comes to your mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. 
Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Oh, Wheel of Fortune. I'm not that smart. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Ooh, uh, tonight uh, will, will probably be from my uh, favorite pizza place around the corner here called Apiz. And because I like saying the name and I get Tourette's around the house just yelling. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I like it. What's your favorite food city in the world? Uh, I mean, it has to be in New York City. I know that's an easy answer, but that's where most of my food experiences have been. And I think you can really get the best of every cuisine in different parts of New York City. Agreed. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go? Ooh, uh, good question. Um, uh, Definitely the Caribbean and uh, specifically any island that has zero cell reception. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Imagine this. You are appointed team captain for a game of capture the flag. Mm. To choose your team, it has to come down to a schoolyard pick. Who would you choose to be on your team? Me or Jimmy? Oh, wow. Um, You know what? This is actually an easy one for me. It's definitely going to be Shatsy. Just because I think that after about 10 minutes, you'd be like me. I'm fast. I I know. No, it's not that, Shatsy. I think after 10 minutes, you'd probably give up like I would and we'd go get drinks. So that's why I... (laughs) So it wasn't even that I was fast. It was I would give up and go to a bar with you? (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Jimmy is still playing. Jimmy will get the flag for sure. So Jimmy would would never give up. That's for sure. I would give up. I would never give up. Jimmy would Jimmy be out there all night until he got that thing. This I would, yeah, all right. I thought you were picking me because you thought I'd be good at it. Oh, no, 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 no. I just need a, I just need a drinking partner when I quit the game. I thought that question was so scripted that Shatsy be the winner, and he won, but for a different reason. I love it. Giancarlo, thank you so much for joining us and for all your great insights. We appreciate your hard work supporting the industry, not just during this time, but always. And You're a journeyman, and as are we, we love it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with, with uh, Giancarlo directly, you can email uh, the team at Branded at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. Uh, Jim, I got a cell here I'm going to give everybody right now. 917. Yeah, gonna no, 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 sorry, 973. Yes. Hey, 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 Easy now. Easy, easy now. <laughs> simmer down now. Simmer, simmer. Simmer, Jesse. I got him with a 973, huh? He got his attention. All right. You got now, too close. You got pod- too close. Podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the introduction. Um, you know, we mentioned at the top of the show uh, that we were going to have a fantastic offer for our listeners, um, and we're excited to share. Uh, Branded is a key sponsor at uh, Winsight's uh, FS Tech uh, event in Dallas, FS Tech 2021, uh, Dallas, Texas, September 12th to the 14th. By the way, this is a crazy resort, crazy yes. resort. The entire thing is under a glass dome. Love it. It's like just self-contained. It's awesome. So September 12th to the 14th, and Brandon will be leading the Innovation Alley at this event, and we want to see you there. So what are we doing? We are offering free registration to any restaurant operator uh, listening today. Take advantage of the offer. Email us at, once again, podcast at brandedstrategic.com um, to take advantage of the free registration for restaurant operators um, to join us out there. We will be there, branded team, full force, holding the uh, branded Innovation Alley, and we're very excited by it. It's gonna, uh, I got to tell you, it's going to be sold out, Jimmy. It's going to be a great event. It's really going to be fun. And I did just want to add, uh, that is the first uh, offer today, is the FS Tech event in Dallas, free registration for all operators. The second offer, uh, JCS, uh, GC, sorry, uh, John Carl has kindly given us 
uh, free tickets to the green to the first concert uh, featuring Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen's concert uh, J- July 30th, I think. I don't remember the exact day. But to all our listeners, all you need to do is just email us immediately. Free tickets, Bruce Springsteen at the Greens, uh, courtesy of HHC and uh, John Carlos. So we're excited about that too, Jimmy. Uh, there you go, and 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 um, a little disclaimer: none of that was real. The, the free registration to FS Tech, yes. Bruce Springsteen will not be there. Not free tickets. A little bit of both there. All right, to our <laughs> listeners, to our listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in with us. Uh, we know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, uh, and we appreciate and value that you choose uh, to hang out with us. Join us next week uh, when we welcome guest Mr. Joshua Sharkey, founder and CEO of Mies. Great guy. Um, Great guy. No, um, GC uh, he already hinted the importance of back of house. Uh, check us out next week when Mr. Joshua Sharkey uh, will talk about what he's doing. Recipe management. Recipe management. Get excited. Um, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe uh, to our podcast. You don't miss out any exciting guests coming up in the future. And better yet, invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. So until then, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off. Thanking GC and pass it to my boy Shatsy. Thank you, everybody. This is uh, Shatsy, a.k.a. The Restaurant Guy, signing off the Hospitality Hangout. And thank you to our guest, Giancarlo, and uh, everything they're doing down there at the Seaport. If you haven't checked it out, man, get down there. It is rocking. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.